Hey, good morning. We've got a lot of announcements, so buckle up. But first, just want to say welcome. Glad you're here. There's a lot of faces that are maybe new. Who knows? At least the top half of your face seems somewhat familiar to for most of you. But if you're new here, make sure to meet some people. It's kind of odd. We're still getting used to being back in person outside. It's like only our third or fourth time doing it again. So make sure to, to make yourself known if you're new because we're a little less good at noticing. But we don't want to be that way. So we're glad you're here. The first announcement we have is sound team. Now that we're back in person, we definitely want some help on sound. And because we'll be doing this for a little while, it's important for make, making sure that we can hear um, and that everybody can hear, especially way at the back. We're kind of spread out. We're outside. There's a lot more noises. So sound is more important than ever. So if you are interested in helping, which is a huge need, talk to Josh Caperton, which he's right there. Nice. He's great. He's really nice, especially the top half of his face. Really great face. The next thing is the Senior Mixer, which is happening next Sunday, April 18th at 6 p.m. at the ranch. So seniors and adults, if you're going to graduate this year, we want to get a chance to hang out with you, talk with you, meet some adults, learn about what life is like after college and what ministry is like. And um, so because there's going to be food, it's free, which is a great reason to come. We need you to sign up. So there's going to be a sign up on Facebook and in the newsletter. So be looking for that this week. So once again, that is next Sunday, 6 p.m. at the ranch. 3806 Hampton Road, Denton, Texas. <laughs> yeah, just find a ranch somewhere. There's plenty of them. But yeah, 3806 Hampton Road. It'll also be on the form, by the way. So if you get on our Facebook or on our newsletter, it'll have that information this week. The next thing is there's a meal train for the Hausmans. They had their baby, little baby Everett, and they brought him home. So praise God for that. And there's a meal train on our Facebook and also on the newsletter. To sign up, you can have just the meal be delivered to them. Also, some people have just sent them some Venmo, some dollars, so they can purchase a meal for themselves. It's a little challenging doing a meal train in COVID, but whatever we can do to, to help them, ease them into parenthood, and just provide some, some love in the form of food, Great way to do that. So please check that out on Facebook and in the newsletter. The next thing is the Focus Showcase replay is going until tonight. Is that right, Darby? Yes. Somebody's going to nod. There we go, Drew. Anyfocus.org slash showcase. And you can watch the showcase, which was really great. It was all online this year. Donate any amount you want, even if it's $0. And you can get to watch that if you missed it last week or if you just want to watch it again. It was really cool. So Check that out, anyfocus.org slash showcase. Um, the next thing is that the marriage seminar happened yesterday. The recording is already up on our podcast feed if you missed it. So check that out. You can go to dentonorthchurch.com slash marriage. You can also just go to any podcast app and search for Denton North Church. And the next uh, marriage seminar will be on May 8th at 3 p.m. It's about communication and conflict, and it'll be on Zoom. So Pencil that into your calendars, May 8th, 3 p.m., Communication and Conflict. The hosts for that one will be Debbie and Joe Sestida. You guys might know them. If you don't know them, just all you need to know is that they're cool and they have a lot of conflict, so they have a lot to say. So, and then the next thing is Spring Hita is going to be April 24th. And a lot of information about that is at register.springhita.com. That's a fundraiser for the kids camp. And there's going to be a live auction on that day, but also a silent auction leading up to it. There's also going to be a raffle. Basically, 
just some good opportunities to get some potentially cheap, cool stuff. That's all you need to know. And for a good cause. So couldn't be any more that you want. Cheap stuff, good cause. Uh, amen. So the last thing is giving. So you can, we're not going to be passing the basket now for a little while. So anytime during our service, you can go to DentonNorthChurch.com slash donate and give on your phone uh, just on our website. It's really simple and easy. And that's just the way we have to do it for a while now. We don't want to be passing something that everyone's touching, especially a phone screen where you have to use your actual bare hands and stuff. So for a while now, that's the best way for us to do that. So just take an opportunity. If you don't already have something set up to do a recurring gift, that's the only way we're going to be offering that during our services. So um, I'm going to pray for that virtual offering real quick, and then Brad's going to come up. Lord, thank you for just the chance to be able to meet together again. And uh, we just praise you and we're thankful that you've brought many of us through this tough season. Help us to just focus on you, focus on each other. There's still a lot of needs in our community. Thank you for helping us keep connected. Help us to do that even better than we have been, Lord. And I just pray that you would help us to uh, keep uh, an eye on each other, keep a lookout for each other. And Lord, just prepare our hearts for what word you have for us today and um, help us just to continue to live on mission for you despite the weirdness of this, this season. Get your name, we pray. Amen. Hello? Testing? Okay, good. Um, good morning. Uh, welcome to Ditton North Church. I'm Brad, one of the ministers here. Um, I do want to say a prayer for Kurt real quick. Some of you have heard, some of you haven't. Kurt fell off a ladder uh, earlier this week and broke four of his ribs in the hospital and actually one of his lungs collapsed so they had to do a chest tube and so it's kind of serious and so we just want to pray for him for those of you who don't know that Kurt is our elder uh, he works uh, on finishing homes and things like that and so yeah thankfully he had a helmet on from what I understand the helmet was like basically buried into the ground and had he not had his hard hat helmet on uh, he may have had some serious brain trauma so anyway you can send uh, messages to Leslie probably best not to, to do that to Kurt or ask, uh, I'm sure they're gonna need some stuff in the following you know, week. It'll be a, kind of a long recovery for them, probably four to six weeks. And so I'll pray for that, and then um, we'll move on. Hey, buddy. Hey. What's up? Say hi to everybody. Hey, hi. Say hi. <laughs> All right, um, Lord God, we thank you so much for Kurt and Leslie and what they mean to us. Wouldn't be able to do this without them. We just pray for complete healing for Kurt, uh, that he knows that we love him and want what's best for them. Yeah, God, we, um, we just, just pray for quick healing and recovery uh, as pain-free as possible, uh, and that you would help us show our support and our love for him in any way we can. Again, we just thank you for uh, just what a pillar uh, Kurt is uh, to our family and uh, just a spiritual father to us. We love you, Lord. Amen. Okay, well, we're continuing on with our series of ethics uh, or excuse me, uh, New Testament, Old Testament, uh, consistency of scripture. And um, this will be the last time I'm going to preach to you. So that's exciting that we have a number of other people coming the next few weeks. Melissa Kinfield, uh, who's a sociologist in Plato, coming and talking about the prophets and social justice. Garrett, my brother, who spoke at the beginning of this series, uh, talking about an eye for an eye. And then Josh talking about Beatitudes and community and Leslie would kind of wrap all of it up. But hopefully this has continually been helpful for you to make sense of the Old Testament and the New Testament and how they are simply 
um, sort of stages in a story rather than um, two divergent time periods that have nothing to do with each other, no overlap. Somehow God changed his mind from beginning and now is doing something very different. And so um, if you've got further thoughts or questions, you can certainly text, email us. Uh, as we've been doing for the last few sermon series, we're literally just taking your ideas and preaching on them. Okay, we're not really adding anything. You choose the topic, you ask the questions, and then uh, we get up here and we talk about it. So uh, that will be an important uh, thing to consider for uh, moving forward as well. Summer, you know, we usually do some kind of small sermon series. Leslie usually does a month, I do a month. So we'll be thinking about doing all that as small groups sort of wrap up in May. And um, the other thing too is remember that small groups during the summer change up because we add college students into our small group. I don't know how many college students are actually gonna be here yet because school's not starting until August, um, but unless plans change, uh, our small groups will add, and those of you who are college students will be around town for the summer. This is a great way for you to get to know some of our uh, non-college adults, yeah? So you're invited to those small groups. They'll put all that information out for you uh, so that you can, uh, you can access it, yeah? Um, and then I'm trying to think, I think I have another announcement. Yes, I do have another announcement. Okay, so Grant has, um, Grant Trotter developed a survey uh, along with a number of um, people in our church, particularly people of color, to talk about why our senior leadership is so white, all right? And, um, you know, when we look at uh, the issue of being well represented in our various forms of leadership, whether that's chulas or small group leaders, that looks good. But we want to start sort of thinking long term about what does it look like for our senior staff positions, those of us who are leading uh, on a staff level or in our eldership, to begin to represent our uh, church body much better. And so with this survey, um, it's kind of a longer survey. It's about 10, 15 minutes. We want everybody to fill this out, okay, whether you're person of color, uh, black indigenous people of color, uh, white, doesn't matter, anything in between, because we want feedback on how we as a church are doing now and how we can do better and possibly uh, actually starting a team kind of like our worship team, not sort of a part of Chula's, that consider these kinds of issues in our church. All right, with again, the long-term goal of really making sure that all levels of our leadership uh, reflect who we are as a church community. So we're going to put that out today. We really want your feedback. This is a little bit of a longer survey, 10 to 15 minutes. A lot of the questions are optional, so you don't have to fill them out. Uh, but we really, really want your participation, all right? I'm not going to try to offer that like $75 because we never, or $50, because we never get up to $75. Um, but we'll see what happens. Maybe if we get close enough, uh, we will do that. So that's our survey. We're taking that. That's important. Give us that feedback starting today. We're going to keep reminding you uh, of it until, uh, you know, uh, we get as many responses as we want. All right. I think, I believe that is all that I have. Okay. So I'm going to unpack an idea that I preached on last week, which is the law of the spirit versus the spirit of the law. The title of this is the ethics of culture, the law that no longer applies. If you're into titles, the ethics of culture, the law that no longer applies. Um, I got to admit, I am a cusser. Okay. <laughs> For the first time in my life, I'm actually in a job environment where it's downright encouraged, if not a part of being a welder mechanic, 
and having a rough job, okay? Now my business, and of course I'm in charge too, which only makes things a little bit worse. Um, and I've thought about that over the last couple of years, how much my business has kind of drawn me away from God in some ways. And I've got a lot to unpack there. But this is one that I've struggled with before even, um, you know, working in the environment that I worked in. As a professor for 10 years, probably one of my favorite things about teaching was I could say whatever I wanted. Well, I thought I could until I got into a little bit of trouble towards the end there. Um, but I am. I'm, I'm a cusser. I don't know what it is about it. I can think pros, cons, um, try to figure out why. It seems kind of authentic. Maybe that's a pro. I don't know. Uh, sort of fits, again, like my, with my rough work environment. Makes me feel tougher. Um, but the con side of it, of course, is it's also kind of a language of anger, right? Um, just cuss words in general. It's sort of an, a, a, a language of anger. And being a pretty angry person myself, it's not very helpful when instead of expressing what I'm actually feeling, I just instead cuss, okay? It's also kind of a way to be cool and be rebellious. Uh, you know, particularly Christians who cuss think they're really, really kind of cool um, because they're, you know, sort of like the issues of eating meat and food sacrifice to idols. I think there's kind of a cool factor in all of that. Um, but it's sort of an analogy. Cussing is an analogy between the Old Testament and New Testament law, all right? And I'm going to talk about this, and this is going to be my main platform today to try to make sense of how the laws both differ and are really kind of similar from Old Testament to New Testament. So think about it like this. Uh, you know, cussing when we're young, we're told not to do it, but we do it anyway, but just around the people who aren't going to challenge us, right? Our friends, right? It's always funny to me when a movie comes out and it's a bunch of like middle schoolers cussing and people are like, oh, that is, that is a really crass movie. And I'm like, middle school, man, I started like end of elementary school. Um, middle school by then, they knew, yeah, anyway. Um, not that we're encouraging it, but I don't know, maybe you grew up in a different environment. Um, I mean, I grew up in a really rough environment, you know, middle class, Plano, suburb. So <laughs> a lot of struggles uh, to overcome, a lot of reasons that we needed to cuss. Um, yeah, but then when we get old, we can cuss around our parents all of a sudden. Like, uh, you know, I mean, they don't want you to, right? That's, that's true. But, you know, you're not going to get in trouble for it anymore. As if, like, the laws change. There's, like, two different systems. And then some parents I know actually encourage their, well, actually, we had a neighbor who encouraged their kids to cuss. I'm talking, we were in elementary school, and their parents cussed in front of the kids and thought it was, like, the coolest thing. Um, and uh, who knows what they turned out like. I think, actually, they turned out pretty good lawyer, one as a doctor, but... <laughs> Personal life, you know, I don't know, that's when you're young. Uh, but anyway, so it's like two different systems, right? It's like the law systems change. You weren't allowed to cuss when you were younger, but then all of a sudden, all are, you know, your parents are even cussing around you when you're older. Not my parents, they don't do that. Um, but, uh, and they're probably wondering why they raised three kids who cuss. But, uh, you know, it's just, it, it, I'm going to try to explain that as I think through this. Garrett does. He just doesn't around you. Um, <laughs> make sure that's for the record. Everyone hears that. You can ask him about it in two weeks uh, when he comes. So we talked last week about the law of the spirit versus the uh, spirit of the law. The idea was the spirit of the law is sort of the minimums. It's our interpretation. It has everything to do with us building a law system. The law of the spirit is fixed. And really the essence of the law of the spirit is Jesus himself. But the spirit is constantly reminding us of who Jesus is and empowering us to live up to the maximums that God has called us to. Be perfectly as your heavenly father is perfect. And that's the idea of the spirit of the law versus the the law of the spirit, okay? It frees us from enslavement. 
It frees us from needing to justify ourselves. We can now look at ourselves in accordance with the law, realize we're lawbreakers, and be okay with it because we know that God is going to make something better out of it. We don't have to pretend like we're actually following the law, like doing tithing for mint and spices and dill, but neglecting the more important matters of the law, like some of the Pharisees did. All right, and it gives glory to God among the nations. It actually shows God's character to all the people around. All right? So those were the ideas that we talked about last time, and so I want to develop that a little bit more. Okay? Believe it or not, the Old Testament was meant for the same thing. All of these things, not being enslaved, showing God's uh, uh, um, name around the nations, um, and also freeing us uh, from having to justify ourselves, it just didn't work. All right? It was meant to do that, but it didn't work. There was nothing wrong with the old law. There was always something wrong with us, and that is unless we're empowered, okay, to do more, to be better people, a law system isn't going to help us. That should make sense to you, right? As time goes on, our nations in some ways get better and in some ways get worse, but it's not because of our law systems, all right? We can legislate certain things that keep people from doing awful stuff, but we can't ultimately legislate someone's kind of inner morality and how they view the world, okay? Something's got to kind of change there. Um, And I don't want to go too much into that quite yet because we'll get there. So in the Old Testament, there are four types of laws, four rough types of laws. Now, a lot of people have characterized this differently. I'm simply going to do this because I think it's somewhat simple. Uh, You could think about this in a variety of different ways. All right. So the first type of law, we're going to call that Old Testament law fulfilled. This has a lot to do with sacrifice, food, clothing. When Jesus talks about I fulfilled the law, he's at least in part talking about this stuff has already been done and fulfilled. One of the main reasons for all of these food laws and sacrificial laws uh, were, number one, to give them a foreshadowing of the future, two, to kind of protect them in some ways, but three, and most importantly, it was to make them a nation that was separate from all the people around them, a holy nation, a nation that people could look to and think, hey, this is way different than we're used to. Okay, and that was, that's kind of the old law. We have a lot of problems with these laws in particular. They just seem weird. They seem overly precise. They seem like, you know, why would I care how much wool I have in my clothing? Um, It's like God's just sitting there nitpicking, trying his best to, you know, force on them weird random stuff and laughing about it, you know, after he's written it down. Let's see if they can actually follow this one. Um, But that law was about separation. It was about kind of trying to keep them separated uh, from all of the other nations. Okay. So let me try to bring this back to, so this is a lot of type one. Let me try to bring it back to this cussing argument. And this might work, might not. I don't really know. All right? So we don't cuss because we're separate from them. That's a law. People who cuss, don't cuss. It it easily separates. All right? I can tell this is a person I can use this language around. This is a person I can't. It separates. It's a law that separates two people. Right? This was the idea of the law, the Old Testament law that had been fulfilled was to make it obvious that these people were very different than the people around them, to make them see why are these people so different. It's incredibly important when you think about nations because nations have their own identity and their own systems, and people are constantly comparing and contrasting to other nations, particularly as they interact with each other. Okay? So we don't cuss because we're separate from them, but not for the sole purpose of impressing everyone with how good we are. This is one of the real problems that the Israelites had with the Old Testament law is by the time Jesus came along, the Pharisees were using the law to try to impress everyone else around them. And they had come up with all these additional laws on top of the original law, 
make them even more impressive. And even the people of Israel were impressed with the people who were the best at keeping the law. And then Jesus comes in and says, you've not even kept the basics of the law. You've just added a whole bunch of other stuff to make you even more separate from the other people in your own nation. That wasn't the point in the first place. It wasn't to separate the good from the bad. It was to separate you as a nation so that you could be uh, a blessing to the other nations. All right? And so I don't cuss uh, because, you know, I'm trying to show how good I am uh, as if a single sign like that could actually do that. But the point was to teach how good uh, God is. Guys, this is still the case today. Following the law of the Spirit is not about us showing how good we are and how capable. It's quite the opposite. It's about showing how good God is. And so when Jesus tells his disciples, people will know you're my disciples by your love for one another, okay? Not by some easy, simple sign, not by some t-shirt or haircut or, uh, you know, I don't know, even the way you talk just at the basic level, but how you love one another. He's taking that separation law and bringing it to its highest point. Literally, people will know that you're for real with me because how much you love the people around them. How hard is that to know? How do we even know how much someone loves someone else? Most of us don't even pay much time or attention to even observing that in other people. And it really does require something, uh, I think, big uh, for people to actually notice that and see that. And I think in some ways, Jesus was ultimately talking to the church there, uh, but that's the idea. So first uh, uh, kind of law, separation, holiness. You are my people. I want you to make it clear that you're my people, all right? But not in ways that are silly and simple and, you know, shallow, but in the deep ways of how you treat and how you love one another. All right, number two, Old Testament law. This law is probably the the stuff that we're most upset about and have the most conflict with because I'll call these laws accommodations and concessions. Uh, Probably one of the most famous ones is, you know, divorce, and Jesus addresses this. Why did you permit people during Moses' time to divorce? He says, because your hearts were so hard. Concessions and accommodations are laws that are meant to get us to do at least a little bit better than what the standard is around us. It understands we're fallen and awful, but we want to raise that standard a tiny bit, okay? And so, for instance, one of the ones we usually have a problem with are the laws about slavery and about how to treat women. But if you go back and read through Exodus 21, guys, the laws about slavery are better than America's laws towards slavery 300 years ago. We're talking 4,000 years ago, the laws about slavery, number one, they were not allowed to steal humans. They were not allowed to enslave any people. People had to enslave themselves, which sounds really weird, but the vast majority of slavery until Americans came and you know perverted it with the kinds of slavery we've seen in the last 300 years, was indentured to, self-indentured to, people selling themselves into slavery because they were poor and needed a more stable environment. It's a little bit like going to prison because prison at least somehow is better for you than being homeless, which happens, and we have chronic uh, you know, issues at our jails and things like that. So people would sell themselves into slavery. Now, that sounds awful, and it is, but guess what would happen according to Old Testament law? After six years of slavery, you were completely freed and then given enough that you could go and survive. And yet, there was still another law for people to, for their lifetime, sell themselves into slavery because they loved their slave owner so much. 
that's what we're talking about when we talk about accommodations and concessions. So people say, well, why didn't the scripture come along and completely do away with all slavery and all poor and mistreatment with women? I don't know. How about we create a law right now that says racism is illegal and see what happens? You think that's going to work? You think because racism is now illegal, people are going to stop being racists? You think because prejudice is illegal, people are going to stop being prejudiced? No, that's something that happens in their brain. Okay, something they choose to do, maybe something they grew up around, but you can't legislate against that. You can simply legislate against discrimination. And so the idea that the Old Testament law would come and do away with all slavery and mistreatment of women is crazy. Number one, if that was even tried, the uh, uh, nation of Israel would probably be obliterated and cease to exist. Number two, it just wouldn't have even worked. But the Old Testament laws that we look back at and think about as accommodations or concessions are basically just moving the bar pretty high or higher than the other sets of laws and codes around it. All right, and that's really important as we look through those laws. It's not to say that those laws are binding on us. They certainly aren't. You know, the Old Testament law that's fulfilled, it's fulfilled. It's not binding. Okay, you don't have to go and wear a certain amount of wool. Uh, all right. Um, but these laws showed that God would take us where we're at, which is really good news for us, that he could use nations as barbaric in some ways as the nations surrounding Israel and still use them for, um, you know, his purpose. Okay. And of course, we could say the same thing about laws, about races, about uh, greed, divorce, all these things that, that would be impossible for us. Um, God is making concessions, taking us where we're at and trying to move us forward. Okay. Uh, so again, applying this to the cussing thing, this might connect with you, might not, I don't know, but God sees the language of the flesh, the language that is violent, that's evil, that's, you know, constantly wanting to put people down. Um, and, um, you know, I, I don't know, he's just crass in general and he makes certain concessions for us slipping up, but we ought to be at least better at not speaking angry and awful words. It's one thing I found to cuss in a jocular type way, and another when you're actually directing that at people, name-calling, belittling. I'm not trying to justify my cussing, although, yes, I am. Uh, it, but there's a kind of a difference there, right? So, you know, today we call these concessions grace, right? Our law of the Spirit, these concessions that God makes for us are grace. Um, but let's not use grace as a reason to sin. Okay, as Paul would say, grace just shows us how far we have until the spirit makes us perfect. Just because God's made certain accommodations or concessions for our failures and our sinfulness, let's not rest on that. Okay, as if uh, it's not important. Yep. Okay, now let's get into the, the stuff that's a little bit more, uh, I don't think, pertinent, I guess. The third type of Old Testament law is principled but not binding, okay? So let me just go back through these really quick because I know this is more of a teaching thing than a preaching thing. One, uh, first kind of law, or what we call fulfilled law. These are things about food, clothing, sacrifice. They were fulfilled when the nation of Israel uh, ceased to exist under the old covenant when Jesus came. They were fulfilled, they were accomplished, okay? And all the purposes that they had were accomplished. That's fulfilled law. Number two is concessions accommodations law. Laws that weren't ever meant to be the goal, but they were put into place so there could be at least the people would be a little bit better than the people around them. All right, moving in the right direction. So now the third one we're at uh, is uh, what, what we'll call principled laws, but not binding. So, so far, none of the laws that we've talked about have been binding on New Testament um, Christians, right? And this one is the same, but these are the ones that a lot of Christians get really tripped up over. 
right? Things like Sabbath and tithing. Stuff that's Old Testament law, guys. We're not bound by that, but there are some really important principles that we learn from those Old Testament laws uh, that are no longer binding to us, but are ultimately preaching some message to us. And Ten Commandments are a lot of this. These kind of principled laws, but not necessarily binding. All right? Some of them. Some of them are. And guys, these are laws so that people will thrive in their lives and will grow in their love for other people. That's really what these laws are meant for. When you think about the Sabbath, the Sabbath is all about trying to thrive, trying to recognize and understand your work isn't who you are. Stop for a day just like God stopped when he was finished and recognize the world is still going on. Many of us have a really tough time with that because we believe that the world around us is more or less created by our own energy and our own work and all the things that we need to be doing. And when we stop and rest and acknowledge God, we understand the world still goes with or without us. So that Sabbath was really meant for thriving. You see how Jesus came and ultimately changed the definition of Sabbath for a lot of these people as he healed people on the Sabbath. Sabbath wasn't a day of just not working. It was a day where you're supposed to kind of think about the work that's been done and be God to the people around you. And so he healed people on the Sabbath. And that's just how far the Pharisees in their hardened hearts and all of us are in understanding the principles of these original laws, that they were actually trying to keep Jesus from healing people on the Sabbath. Like Jesus, you can heal, but Monday through Saturday. Leaves none on Sunday. Or well, really it should be Sunday through Friday, Saturday, but yeah. Principle, okay? And so these laws can be very important. Tithing is the same way. You know, guys, we're not commanded to tithe. In some ways, uh, the tithing system was a tax system. So a lot of us already tithe through our taxes. Um, but at the same time, I would hope that our goal would be at least 10% uh, of, of giving, if we can, we can kind of get there. Um, but that is no longer binding on us. Okay? So, principled... Uh, but not binding. So again, bringing this back to this cussing thing. So we shouldn't cuss because it's ineffective and a shallow way to express our anger, okay? Or show how tough we are. Kind of opposite of humility when we're, um, you know, using uh, our own kind of easy paths to be mad, to be upset. Uh, and that's really not, you know, not how it's supposed to work. The law of the spirit is about empowering us, uh, not indicting us. It frees us from these uh, bunch of minimums. You know, when we talked about Ezekiel last week, he talked about the spirit of God moves us to follow his, uh, his commands, moves us to follow his decrees. Uh, these tough laws are laws that ultimately God brings us into uh, obeying and obedience with. Okay? It's not something that we just will on our own. All right, the last one. And this is, I think, um, you know, the most important one because it is binding on us. Uh, Ian Proven calls this creational law, but that's kind of a tricky term because... If you've done much in the research of ethics, which I'm guessing no one has, uh, it's not an incredibly fun topic. People talk about natural law all the time. Uh, and natural law and creational law are very different things. Natural law says we all should do what basic humans are supposed to do. Who decides what basic humans are supposed to do? Now, creational law, I think, probably ought to be called creator law. And creator law basically just says we look to our creator and what he's created to inform us of the things that all of us should be doing at all times. And this, so this one gets a little bit tricky. All right? Uh, 
So if you think about it, and here's kind of a side thought for you. So where does the Ten Commandments fall in all this? Well, I kind of already talked about that. The Ten Commandments is some of these principled but not binding. Some of it's creator law. Um, and some of it uh, is even accommodations in some ways. And these categories aren't always, um, you know, mutually exclusive. They, they kind of have some overlap. There, Andy Stanley, who's a pretty popular megachurch pastor in Chicago, about three years ago preached a sermon on unhitching ourselves from the Old Testament. Basically meaning that Christians should not consider the Old Testament as their sacred scripture. <laughs> and I get that. I mean, it makes sense. If you look back at just the fulfilled law and you look back at the concession and accommodations law, it'd be a lot easier for us Christians if we could forget all about the Old Testament. Right? Really easy. And some Christians do. They live like that practically, as if the Old Testament means nothing, isn't informative, isn't authoritative. But hopefully, at least from this sermon series, uh, you've gotten the idea that that's certainly not the truth. On the other hand, we have Messianic Christians. Some of you may have met them who really believe that the goal of the Christian is to follow the Old Testament law in addition to New Testament law. And they're living based on as close of a following of the Old Testament law as they can. And you see the two extremes. In some ways, those two extremes are much easier than what we've been given, which is the story of God and making sense of it from beginning to end. But we ought to be pretty careful. But the Ten Commandments are really just kind of a baseline a baseline for the Old Testament law. But they're not enough. Because remember what happens when the young ruler comes to Jesus and says, I've obeyed every law. And what does Jesus say? Great. Give to the poor and come follow me. And he runs away. <laughs> because he's maybe obeyed the law, but he hasn't gotten the purpose of the law. The Ten Commandments was a baseline, and the purpose of that law was ultimately directed at other people is not just individualistic, okay? So these Old Testament, uh, or the creational law in the Old Testament is, is, there's chock full, guys. It's all over the place. The Beatitudes, really, which is kind of the main, I think, um, way to, that you have to see the law of the, the Spirit, is, I mean, it, character after character after character display uh, attributes of Jesus and of the Beatitudes. And so we have that throughout the Old Testament. Uh, of people still living based on this law that God's created, this creational or creator law. Okay, so again, to go back to this cussing example, which may or may not has, has been a, an effective analogy, we don't cuss because the world, apart from God, is already full of ugliness. And why would we speak into that encouraging that ugliness? Okay, there's a huge focus in the New Testament about watching what we say and how we say it. I mean, just read James. The tongue is the utter, or utter, utter, <laughs> utter. The rudder of a ship, okay? The little spark that creates huge fires and so forth and so on. If we're going to be God's ambassadors to this world, ushering the kingdom of God, then we prepare the way for the Lord for people to know him and love and respect him. And if how we talk is a part of that, uh, then, you know, we, we've got to make sure that that's the, the standard. Now, there's no easy law against that. No cussing at all, ever. Sometimes cussing can make someone feel a lot more relaxed around you and make you feel like they're, you're a real person. But be careful of how we justify that. And I'm talking to myself here mostly. So, um, in conclusion, guys, we live in accordance with the law of the Spirit, which is Jesus himself. But if we need a little bit more than that, just start with the Beatitudes, which is really kind of the baseline law for the law of the Spirit. 
Those are the laws we live in accordance with, the laws of maximums, the laws that in, it lead to us living up to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And if this seems burdensome or boring or whatever else, it's probably because so many of us have a really tough time feeling like lawbreakers most of the time. Like we're not good enough, we're not doing enough, we're not, uh, or maybe you're on the opposite end, you feel pretty good about your life and maybe that's just as dangerous. But this is all very exciting and encouraging because the Spirit of God is ready to develop in us, help us, move us to practice this law of God that not only communicates who he is, uh, but also leads us to thriving uh, and loving and, and caring about other people. So uh, we need to stop. And this is kind of my challenge and conclusion here, both all in one. So if Jesus is... You know, our law, the law of the Spirit is ultimately Jesus. And Jesus obeyed the, law, uh, the Old Testament law too. And he's the model of law in the Old Testament and the ethics of New Testament Christianity. And that leads us to think this, this, I think, important kind of final thought. We need to stop thinking about sin and obedience as individual matters. Okay? As individual matters between me and God. We're in this together. All of us. As a community. And we talk about this every now and again, but don't think about it in, in American terms. Community sin. If our sin is ultimately, or our obedience to God and forgiveness of sin is supposed to lead the nations to an understanding, love, and respect of him, then sin is a corporate and community thing, not just an individual thing. And as Christians, we've got to avoid this habit of making uh, our American Christians of telling everyone else it's not their business, because it is their business. We're in this together, showing the nations that we aren't another law system to be compared or contrasted. We stand above that, not because we came up with a really good law system, but because God is revealing who he is to the world. Church has to be strong at calling each other out when we fail, if we are to be the light on the hill much stronger than we currently are. And that incorporate, we incorporate that in LTGs, accountability. But if you are off siloed in some island and people don't really understand the sin that you're struggling with and the things that you're going on with, there is no hope for us as a community to be a light to the people around us. Sin is a corporate thing, okay? Because we are all the body of Christ reflecting who Jesus is. And that's where the law, I think, has the most potential in the Old Testament to help us out. Because the Old Testament law was a communal thing. People practiced, obeyed, sacrificed together. And when Jesus came, he didn't just do away with the corporate way of thinking about sin and, uh, and obedience. It's still just as much a corporate thing, even though we tend not to make it that way. That's our own cultural blindness, uh, not, not a scriptural blindness. Okay. All right, any questions uh, on that? I try my best to, to clarify what we were talking about last week, but may have uh, made it even more difficult. Not sure. Yes. Yeah, one sentence summary of the four types of law. Old Testament law. Oh, the fourth one. Oh, creator law. Yeah, it's law that's built in to the foundation of our world because they're laws that reflect who God is in his character. We're not making concessions anymore. We're not just trying to be separate. We're not trying to give people, you know, some encouragements for laws that would be helpful for them. It's ultimately laws that are built into, you know, our, uh, our creation. So uh, probably one of the most obvious ones is like, don't murder. 
okay? Because God doesn't, loves and cares for people. Um, and so uh, only he can be the judge of life and death. Yeah, laws that we can look at the character and the creation, uh, uh, not natural law, yeah. It's the hardest one to understand, right? Because it ultimately goes back to, it's not a list of attributes only. Our closest approximation to it was looking maybe at the Beatitudes, uh, because that gives us some sense of creator law. That the law that governs this world is ultimately the law that, uh, that describes and imitates the character of God. Which is why it's so important to look at scripture and constantly be asking, particularly in the scriptures that are hardest to glean it, like the Old Testament text where nations are being destroyed or things like that, what is God's character? Can we trust him ultimately? Another question? Yeah. This is like family question time. Dad, do you have one next? Uh, we don't ever cuss in our family. <laughs> and I don't know okay. where you got that from. Um, so in a previous series, you talked about, you talked about objectifying people and would this fourth one be similar to that concept as far as the way we look at people a lot of times, like I was sharing with a friend about how we use people instead of loving people. Yeah. I mean, uh, God cares a lot about people, right? And, uh, and therefore most of those creator laws have to do with how we treat other people which is really what the Beatitudes, I think, if you look at them, I mean, again, we talked about the fruits of the Spirit. They're all relational fruits, except for self-control, which even then has relational uh, connotations to it. But yeah, absolutely. Fourth law is a lot about how we treat other people and not just about being good people. Any other questions before we end? All right, I'm gonna say a prayer and then I believe we're uh, gonna be done from here. God, we're sorry when we live uh, down to our own standards and the standards of our culture and society uh, and don't live up to um, just the opportunity that you've given us in the spirit to be better and to be closer to your character. I, I mean, it's a daily thing for me just to be convicted of how low I live and particularly how I treat people um, and how I think and how I talk. Um, pray that you would give our church um, just a deep feeling of need and responsibility um, to keep each other uh, following your law, the law of the Spirit, being like Jesus, that we wouldn't let each other off the hook, um, but uh, that we would really challenge in love and in patience and careful instruction to be like Jesus in any and every uh, context. I think it's become so easy for us to think of that as being silly, uh, and uh, just to live down to the standard of good that we see in our culture. But help us to live like you and be like you in everything that we do. Uh, and remind us when we're not spirit. Amen. All right, guys, we're going to break from there. And uh, like I said, next uh, week, we'll talk about the prophets of social justice with Melissa. And then uh, after that, we'll finish up in three weeks after. Have an awesome week. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.